Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. I'm Hauser, uh, aka Hawkblogger, and we have been battling all sorts of fun technical issues. We are we have every pair, every finger, every toe crossed across Toronto, uh, Redmond, um, Arizona, everywhere. So um, that this is going to work. So hopefully you guys are hearing me. Hopefully you're hearing me without echo. Hopefully you're hearing me uh, without like a huge delay between when I talk and and my audio. Um, and I think it should hopefully work for everyone else as well. I'll introduce the fellows in a second. You know them all well. Before I do, um, really want to, uh, again, thank the folks that have been patrons up until now. It's huge help. As you know, uh, they stopped using Google Hangouts on air. Today is officially the day that we can no longer use Google's solution, which was a wonderful free solution for us. And we have some other solutions that we've had to invest in and some technology and some stuff we're learning. We're also bringing aboard guys like Cable Thanos, um, Josh and, and Will from Rain City Series to help do some more production work on these pods, as well as we're talking about some other video projects. I know you guys love their projects. So uh, looking for as many ways to give you guys great Seahawks content as possible but we need your help so if you haven't already please head over to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hawkblogger five bucks a month will do if you can do more that would be great five bucks a month would be fantastic so we've added a bunch of patrons already we want to look for ways to to kind of bring the community together but in the meantime if for any reason you're not able to do that right now there's other ways you can help um there are things like uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel, following at Real Hawk Talk on Twitter, 
following you know the accounts you see on the stream right now for for all of us a huge thing that's helpful is leaving a review go to itunes leave a review on the pod a positive one five star review if it's less than five stars come to us let us know what we can do to make it better um i'm guessing some of it might be the audio stuff that we'll still work through but uh otherwise um you know leaving reviews and then even just you know listening it's huge help so the more episodes you listen the more uh listens that we get and listeners that are counted and all that stuff super helpful so all those things free to do um that can be helpful and then the patreon piece would be great as well so with all that said, let me bring in the fellas. Uh, we're going to go, I guess it would be clockwise for me, uh, to my right, <laughs> to my left, I guess, on the screen, uh, would be Evan Hill. Evan, uh, at Evan Hill, S-E-A. How are you doing, dude? I am doing so well. I am so glad this OBS system is working. We were in uh, shaky water for a little bit. So it looks like everybody says in the chat that things are working well. So happy to be yeah. back. Yeah, dude. Uh, and then we've got at Nathan E 11 in our bottom Brady bunch. Um, what would be a right hand corner, I guess, um, for, for you guys. And no, <laughs> I'm not going to, my right, right and my left yeah. are completely, I'm still working on that. Give me some time. Um, yeah. so, Welcome to the show, Nathan. Good to see you, dude. Hey. Good to be here. And then finally, we've got out at Real Jeff Simmons up there in Toronto. And he's got crystal clear HD. The guy's got his technical issues solved. We should all look up to him. Welcome to the show, man. What's going on? You know, you never know I was listening to this show. I was playing softball this week. I've told you guys this already. And someone wearing a Seahawks t-shirt came up to me in the middle of the game. And he's like... Are you real Jeff Simmons from Real Hawk Talk? <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't believe it. Did you say the? I didn't know we had Jeff Simmons. I, 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 I was so surprised. I didn't think to make a joke. It was just you never know where people are listening. It's kind of playing ball. If someone comes up and they've been loyal listeners of our show. So if you're listening now, that was awesome. Just it's cool. It's cool that we've been doing this for sixty-six episodes now and still growing and. Just yeah, I'm, I'm excited for another season, and let's let's keep going. And it seems like our technical issues are That's, behind us. Fingers crossed. Let's hope. Yeah, seems yeah, yeah. like. Seems so, like. All right, fellas, we've got a lot to cover today. There's been a lot going on. We haven't talked since training camp started, and that's a pretty big deal. Um, lots gone on. A lot of news. We've got some injury news. We've got some contract news, and then I got to go to my first training camp of the year today. And I had a lot of impressions that I can share with you guys. We can talk about what's coming next. Let's go round Robin and we're going to go reverse order of what we just did. Let's go with you, Jeff. What have you been paying attention to of the storylines so far that have grabbed your attention in camp? Um, right now I'm all focused on the offense, especially the receiver group. Um, even before, all this unfortunate news that's come out on the defense. I thought the defense was going to be pretty bad. Um, now, when you were, take away Jaron Reed for six games, we're going to talk about this later on, I assume, but LJ Collier is now going to be out for a significant time, and Ziggy Ansah's timeline still remains unclear. So you take those three out on a defense that I thought would be pretty bad anyway, really, so the, the team all becomes, to me, it's all about the offense this year. It's all about Russell. Early indications are the offense has been great. 
and Brian, you were there today. You can touch on this later, but I've been really focused on all who's been playing well. And David Moore's a guy I was really excited about coming into the camp. He seems to be doing well. Obviously, the DK Metcalf, we're going to talk about him a lot. And the tight end group seems pretty interesting. And Brian had a bit of a scare today. On uh, He'll talk, get into that later. But, yeah, the, really, I'm looking at the passing game right now and who's going to emerge. We show Doug Baldwin's not back. That's such a big deal. How Ty- Tyler Lockett adjusts to a number one role and it seems like it's going really, really well. So, yeah, I'm focused on the offense, the passing game, and what the receiver group and tight end group is going to be. And what about you, Nathan? Where What have you been reading? What have you been paying attention to? What's jumping out to you so far in camp? Uh, I mean, the big thing for me is just trying to keep on top of who's playing nickel corner, who's playing free safety. Um, I think that uh, it's always hard to tell with camp whether a good play on offense is because of bad defense or good offense or what but um those are the two biggest question marks in terms of like position battles for me and so those are the ones i've been really trying to keep a close eye on is there anything that you've heard of in those battles that has piqued your interest um it sounds like maybe a king King is kind of being looked at as a regular nickel, although I heard Kalen Reed was playing there a little bit too. Um, and everything I'm hearing, it sounds like Tedrick Thompson is um, the guy to beat at free safety. That uh, ones and everything like that. I haven't heard of anyone supplanting him yet. Um, but, you know, still early on all that. So we'll see how that kind of evolves as camp goes on. And Evan, uh, for you, what... what... What have you been watching and, and listening to related to camp? I have been exclusively focused on our number one receiver, DK Metcalf. I don't know if you guys have seen the videos that are being tweeted out, but DK is running perfect routes, perfect slants, diving for the football, the red zone plays. You know, he has a lot of hype, but he also has a lot of haters one such person being on this podcast. But the good news is the haters, you know, the the doubters are up against the wall. DK is proving everybody wrong. He is balling out in training camp. And I, I think this receiver group is actually going to end up being one of the stronger units, one of the stronger position groups on this team. So I'm super excited about the receiver group. I think DK Metcalf, I don't know if you guys saw the image or – photo that somebody tweeted out the other day of him standing next to Tyler Lockett. It was just a hilarious size difference. But, um, yeah, really excited about the news that has already come out of training camp. And, and uh, if that position group can, you know, step up this year, that'll be big for, for Russell. I, I just want to pause on the Tyler Lockett slander there. I don't want that to just kind of slide on by. I didn't know that Tyler got demoted to the second-best receiver on this team. Well, it's currently him and DK battling for number one. Wow. Okay. Having been at camp, I can tell you that that's actually not the case yet. Uh, although Evan's Evan's predictions are famously accurate, so we'll we'll wait around and see how that turns out. Um, I I have to say, I mean. I, I've been somewhere in between. I've been definitely excited about DK Metcalf, but I think that there's been some concerning video and some concerning, you know, views of his route running for sure up until now. And so I wanted to see see him in person. And honestly, 
the things that stood out for me about DK Metcalf is one, not it shouldn't be a huge shock to anyone, but he just he stands out on the field. Like, big dude, six three. He's slender. And then watching him do kick returns was one of the times that really was like, wow, who? I didn't know he was doing those, and I was like, who was that? And turns out he was fourth in line behind Tyler Lockett, David Moore, Rashad Penny, and then Metcalf was doing kick returns. And he's six foot three. Those other guys are like the tallest one was David Moore at six feet tall, six feet even. And Metcalf has the best acceleration of any of them. Like he just he's and it's really weird to see a tall, lanky guy faster than Tyler Lockett. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing to kind of, to, to see. But then I watched him run, run some, he was running a lot of square out routes, like just basic five, 10 yard outs, whatever. And doing that with, with Russell against air to start with, but I was watching him and they're fine. They're fine as, as, as far as his, his breaks. But what you really see when he's up against um, a corner is that he's got this huge body and he's got these really long arms. And so when Russell's throwing the ball in the right place on the outside of his frame toward the sideline, his breaks don't have to be exact. He the, like the corners have a long distance to go to get from where they are to across his body and all the way across his arms to catch the ball or to knock the ball away. So anyway, I, I came away pretty, pretty positive about, DK, no, no real difference, just a little bit more reassurance. They were not wearing pads today, so I didn't get to see him really play against press in the same way. Um, you know, we'll see when, when there's contact. Obviously, there's more hoops that he has to jump through. But I, I, was, I was really pleased with what I saw there. Um, I'll tell you a guy that did not show up for me today, and I'm curious what you guys think. Gary Jennings was nowhere. Uh, he's number 11. I didn't notice him throughout the entire practice. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe he's hurt. And I started looking around, and he was there. He was playing. He was actually taking a snap at that moment. But I don't think he got a target. I didn't notice him in any other way. That does not mean that he's not a good player and that he's doomed to fail. But I think it's just a reminder. He's a fourth-round pick. I think a lot of us have assumed that he is a lock for this roster. There's a lot of competition. Malik Turner had an awesome day today. Like, really, really good. David Moore looked good today. Jerron Brown looked fine today. Looks like a reliable receiver. Like, I don't think it's a guarantee that Gary Jennings makes this squad. And I'm kind of curious. Um, Nathan, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's just a question of who beats him. If you say Lockett... Uh, Metcalf, Brown, and uh, more all make it, then you still need someone like Turner or Ursua or Darbo or Nyquan Murray. I mean, who's are those guys really going to take his spot? Maybe, but mm, I, I don't know. I think there's we probably need to give that more time. Jeff, if Gary Jennings did not make this roster, how surprised would you be? Not that surprised. Really? Um, they have a history. They have a history of fourth-round picks and whiffing there with receivers. Uh, I guess Darbo was a third-round pick. There was Chris Harper, the receiver. Who was that white guy that they thought was Jordy Nelson? Uh, Chris Durham? History of Schneider. He's had trouble hitting on receivers in the fourth round. 
obviously I was pretty high on Jennings coming out of college and yeah, maybe I would have assumed he'd be in, but if if he comes up and has a bad camp and say Turner or someone passes him, that wouldn't or, or Sua passes him, that really wouldn't surprise me just based on their history. But Brian, you were there today. You were one of the guys ahead of the curve years ago when Darbo had bad camps. Like did Jennings look like Darbo or was he just Hard to see. Like you so could tell right away that Darbo that's wasn't. That's part of what jumped out to me was, well, I mean, the Darbo thing. <laughs> what happened is, I went to a week of camp and never saw him do a single thing. Like, and I was like, wait a second, I haven't heard anything from Darbo. Um, and, and and there were times when maybe he was targeted and didn't come up with a, a play, um, a deep ball, things like that. And that's when it was like, okay, I'm just not seeing it. It's one day with Jennings. Um, I will say that I have not, in all the stuff I've been reading about camp, I have not seen anyone else write about him having a good practice yet or, or being the you know one of the guys that stood out. If that's the case, if he's gone now six practices without making an impact, then yeah, it's, it's, it's a concern. Um, I'm certainly going to keep an eye out for him tomorrow. I'm going to watch him a little bit, whether he's targeted or not, just to see how his routes are and what's going on there. But I mean, John Ursua made a catch today on the play I was looking for Jennings, and that was his one catch, but he made it. Um, you know, Jacob Hollister made a catch today, and <laughs> Justin Johnson, who we'll talk about in a second. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that made catches today. They threw the ball a fair amount, and Jennings was not one of them. So I just thought that was of note. Um, given For me, it will be a pretty big surprise. I really like Jennings' skill set, and I thought that – Maybe he was even going to be ahead of DK Metcalf from a skill set perspective, just from a polish as a receiver. But we'll see. We'll see. The jury's out for sure on that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if he doesn't make it, but I mean, Darbo looked poor in camp. He was like a, a late third round comp pick, right? He still made a team for a year. So ultimately, somebody still has to take his spot, right? Or beat him out. Um, I think Jennings probably still has inside track on all the other guys just based on draft positions. So. Well, there was another bit of news that came up, um, and it was not great. And this was yesterday? Was it yesterday? Uh, the, or maybe a couple, two days ago, yeah. Two days ago. Our first round pick, not our fourth round pick. LJ Collier went down. Um, turns out he limped off the field initially and then was carted off the field and <laughs> the real hawk talk chat got very active uh on that topic there was a lot of catastrophizing going on so evan what were your thoughts when you heard that news to be honest i i i don't have high expectations for this group i i really don't especially with Frank Clark, you know, being traded, Jaron Reed gone. This group is super, super weak. I think somebody tweeted the starting lineup today with Jaron Reed out. It was like Brandon Jackson, like uh, Rasheem Green, Puna Ford, and I forget who the other, maybe Cassius Marsh. Like this group is not good. And and to be honest with you, I don't huge year one impact. However, you know, the time like the reps, you know, these early days for rookies are super, super important. And if he had like torn his ACL, which was heavily speculated because he was carted off and he couldn't even walk off the field. Um, if he had torn his ACL and was out for the year, that would have been devastating, obviously. So I, I think my overwhelming, you know, reaction was 
thank God we just dodged a bullet because we have not had super strong luck with defensive linemen in early rounds. And I'm just hoping that uh, LJ Collier can come in and be, be a contributor as soon as possible, just because, you know, outside of Jaron Reed, there's not a lot of leaders in that position group. So just thankful we dodged a bullet. It sounds like it's a very strange height, not high ankle sprain, but like a, a high part of the ankle. I don't know if you guys were seeing pro football docs tweets on that today and, and Pete Carroll talking about it in the press conference, but sounds like it's an ankle injury that the team docs have never seen before, which is really interesting. So um, it'll be something to watch over the coming weeks for Nathan, sure. You asked somebody about it. What did they say was potentially injured? He may have tore his longest. Uh, go ahead. You can chuckle. Uh, no, yeah, it was weird. So um, HG Robot, he, I actually don't know <laughs> what his um, expertise is, but he said things that sound, uh, sound smart. Um, and yeah, so he was just saying that uh, there's a couple different ligaments in there that he could have potentially torn. Um <clears throat> Or sprain, which I mean, sprain is a tear, but um, yeah, it, it sounds not good. Like high ankle sprains are never good, and then this one sounds weird and rare, which seems especially worth long term. But like you said, it sucks for him to lose the practice reps and everything as a rookie. So, Jeff, have you ever hurt your longest? <laughs> no, I don't move quick enough to get injured. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of people that seem to think that might be when it was the top of the foot, that that was the, the piece, that was the part that was injured and might require surgery. Let's assume for a second that let's, let's be like totally extreme and say, all right, Jamarco Jones was had a high ankle sprain last year and was put on IR and didn't play the whole season. Let's for let's go all the way to that extreme and say that that's what happens with LJ Collier. What is the impact to the Seahawks this year? You know, it's honestly probably not as big. A, it probably sucks more. Like I said, this probably isn't something that's that's going to linger. Like it's not like he wrecked his knee and may have lost whatever athleticism he had. Um, but this could still have a bigger effect in the long term than the short term. Like rookie defensive ends and rookie pass rushers don't usually contribute a lot right away um but you're just pushing out his development time that much more um and so that's probably the part that sucks the most about it um more than any real impact to like the team this year even though they do you know need all the help that they or uh you know can use all the help that they can get jeff your thoughts on what this means for you know the the team and your expectations and more importantly what you think it would mean for let, let's go to the other end. Let's say he just misses preseason, all of preseason, yeah, all of training camp. What does that mean for LJ Collier and his development? He's just he's behind the eight ball, and Nathan said it before we talked about it in the chat. Rookie defensive ends have a huge learning curve. It's one of the hardest positions to come into the league, and I think, Brian, you said in our chat yesterday, Frank Clark had, like, what, three sacks as a rookie on a pretty loaded defensive line group where he wasn't getting a lot of attention so it doesn't mean a ton for the seahawks but from him it's just, i think a fetty had a similar his rookie year and he just, just he was felt like he was chasing the whole time and really if you think about it they've had a lot of bad luck with injuries penny got hurt last year first round pick uh fetty mcdowell never played 
even Percy Harvin was their first round pick technically one year. He got hurt. He never played in training camp. So sadly, we're kind of used to this by now where this, the first round pick is kind of chasing and Penny was kind of screwed up all year last year because of that injury. It really set his whole season back based on his weight, based on how comfortable he got, the speed of the game. Losing those training cap snaps and preseason snaps were huge for a guy like Penny last year. So Collier might go through the same kind of thing where the speed of the game is going to be really different. Getting the, kind of getting your feet wet and kind of acclimating yourself. And it seemed like Collier was doing a pretty decent job from all indications, but those snaps are huge. And really, he's gonna, he was going to get thrown to the fire this year just because of how bad that group is on paper. So it's not the worst thing because it's probably going to be bad anyway. But, man, that Frank Clark trade, you really got Ansa, you got Collier. Those were kind of the guys you needed to replace him in the, the whole money ball thing. They don't have any of them definitely potentially. definitely weird seeing so, Ben Burke Irvin running around in a 55 jersey instead of Frank Clark. Um, uh, but in any event, I, look, I, I was pretty excited about Collier and thought he might be better than some people expected. Didn't expect him to be hugely productive, but thought he might be, you know, someone who could contribute and and be a growing part of the line. It didn't help that the day that he went down was a day that he was looking pretty rough in training camp and getting some developmental teaching. Now, every player will tell you if you're criticizing a rep that you see in training camp, you are a total fanboy idiot because they're all trying new things and trying to learn. So. You know, you have to be careful about that. But you also heard from Dwayne Brown. He's talked about that, you know, he hopes he's going to be back. But he also mentioned that Collier uh, is a little raw in his technique, which is, I think, as nice as a way you can say that he's got some work to do. So probably productively uh, on the field-wise probably doesn't make a huge bit of difference. I think for Collier's development, I think it could be a huge issue. The earliest he seems like he's going to be back is, you know, the regular season. But it wouldn't shock me, depending on how bad it is, if the team does put him on IR and decide to make him potentially one of those guys that they recall. Because he can still, you know, um, be around and, and work out with the team during those that period of time. So we'll see. If he goes on IR in preseason, though, he can't come back. We had the same conversation last year. I. I remember the debate. I don't remember what we learned, which is really a bad thing. I th- I believe that is the case. I thought they made a change to that rule, and they definitely changed something with the IR rules recently. But if you guys continue the discussion, I'll look it up. Well, and so while you're doing that, so in case people are wondering about him, the opportunity for him to go on the pup list, you can only do that if you fail a physical at the start of camp. So from since that time has passed, right, all those guys that went on PUP right at the start, nobody else can be added to PUP. The guys on PUP can come off at any time unless they hit to the, you know, get to the season and they've got to be out six weeks. But, like, PUP isn't an option for Collier. So it's either IR doesn't need it to return, which Evan is going to tell us what their options are. Yeah. Nice, so, nice uh, chest hair there, Brian. <laughs> I was wondering so what's going on there. So it sounds like the old IR, I, IR rule was a 2012 rule that allowed teams only to activate a single player from the IR once he'd spent at least eight weeks on the inactive list. The new IR rule allows two players to return 
back to play instead of one. Now I'm trying to see if there's anything that requires them. Um, I don't think the eight game thing has changed actually, but it allows two players now for sure. So you don't know yet? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't say. Yeah. I, in any event, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Most people, the I mean, no one really knows what's going on. I, I will say that when Carroll says he's never seen something before and it's worse than they thought, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's not a guy that tends to be negative about injury. And when he says it's going to be, you know, a number of weeks, uh, I don't think that usually means like two to three. So I think it's fair to expect that Collier is going to be out for an extended period of time. We should be expecting the team to be assembling their rotation without him in mind. And even when he comes back, he's going <laughs> to he's going to be so far behind in terms of knowing – what he needs to do in the scheme and, and how to play. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to get ahead of him. And the question of whether they'll decide that they want to keep the roster spot for somebody else that can contribute right away or they think that he can come back and be an impact player. So we shall see. Uh, other parts of that defensive line, guys, it was rough. I mean, there's just nobody... You know, Nobody that really stands out. And I mean, even Jaron Reed. You know who I feel like... Go ahead. Brian, I'm sorry. I have to interject here. You know who I feel like is not getting enough heat? Is... Um, what's his name? Green? What's his first Rasheed name? Green. I'm forgetting his name. Green. Third round pick from last year. Had a good preseason. I think he had like 2.5 sacks in preseason last year. It did absolutely nothing all year long. Zero impact. I feel like we have forgotten about him, and he needs to take a big step forward this year. If he if he's going to want to have a successful career in the NFL, he has absolutely nobody in front of him right now. He's going to get the reps. He has to perform. So that's one player I think that we're sort of forgetting about, but I think we should have high expectations I will say he, he stood out to me today in terms of looking really – he looks great. He looks like he's actually trimmed down, which I don't know if that's going to help or hurt, but he looks really lean. In fact, I wrote in the notes that, in my notes, I don't think I published it, but more and more he looks like he could be a Leo and not just a five-technique defensive end. He's he's kind of long and, and lean, um, but I, I don't think that's where they're playing him right now. And you're right, Evan. He has not done anything yet. He hasn't. So we'll see we'll see what go what, what comes of that a guy that kind of looked good today on the defensive line was that massive defensive tackle out of Michigan Brian Monet <laughs> I don't know if it's Monet or Moan <laughs> or what but it's M O N E the guy's 366 pounds and he's wearing number 79 so he's got kind of like the red bryant thing going on but he he moves pretty well, and he pursues really well. Um, so he's got a little bit of a Taba Rubin to him, but he's a guy that I'm curious to watch more of. I think Green at least looked the part. I didn't see him. You know, it's really hard to judge line play in these in these non-padded practices. And then, you know, uh, um, sorry, I'm, uh, Martin, Jacob Martin, forgetting his first name for a second. He looks as fast as ever. I mean, the guy's super fast, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's reason to be excited still about him. I just, 
in general, you've got Al Woods and you've got Earl Mitchell and you've got Brandon Jackson and you've got Quentin Jefferson and Puna Ford even. Like they just they don't <laughs> they do not jump off the screen at you at all. Uh, so and I mean, you wouldn't really expect those types to jump off, right? Like, it makes sense that Jacob Martin looks fast and athletic and kind of pops, and that maybe, you know, Quentin Jefferson, who we know is a pretty good player, you know, just kind of looks like a guy at this point in practice yeah. and everything. It's it's fair, and we'll kind of see. I, my, what I wrote and what my general takeaway is is that it, it looks, it feel, it felt like today that the Seahawks have a team full of backup defensive linemen of which they will pick four to be starters. That's well, what it felt they, like. They do. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of Cassius Marsh this year, who was picked up for basically nothing. Quentin Jefferson, who's been waived, what, two or three times by now? Those are probably the starters. It doesn't look like that. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you guys buy the rumors that they're shopping around right now? Shopping who? I do. I would imagine it's more like a Justin Coleman type trade than a clowny. Well, yeah, Nick, Nick Perry's still out there. Well, so people in the chat are asking about, and I've heard this on Twitter too, about Robert uh, and DJ, Kim DJ. No, DJ. no, do not go for him. What is appealing about him? Somebody explain the appeal to me. He was a complete failure in Arizona. What do you appeal with him? He was low-key a failure at Ole Miss, too. Like, he was not the player exactly. he was supposed to be. But he's one of those, I mean, uh, I'll, like, I still hold a crush for John Ross, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, John Ross, John Ross was a fantastic college player, which you can't say about in shit, but um, he's got the athleticism and all that that you can kind of pretend he's whatever you want him to be. But I wouldn't touch him. He's had... Um, uh, I, I usually don't worry much about character concerns and stuff like that, but I think that his character concerns have really proven to be an issue for him. He has not developed in, at any point in his career the way he's expected to develop. He showed up to Arizona training camp, overweight, had just got dropped. It was either, a, I know for sure he was driving or speeding with a suspended license. They, they found cocaine in his vehicle, like, combination of all of this is not good <laughs> including the fact that he hasn't produced in arizona i just do not even see the appeal with him he passed waivers no team put a claim in for him i don't think seattle is interested and i don't think they should be no i think it's all about just confirming prior draft stuff a lot of people want seattle to take him that year they thought him with that this defensive line group at the time would have been a dominant player i remember everyone was so pissed he went to arizona oh he's in the division now and He's been a bust on the field and off the field. So, yeah, I'm with Evan on this. I don't see – and they need more defensive end help, not defensive tackle. They got Puna there, and they got their two damn players, Earl Mitchell or – Al Woods. Yeah, those guys can play in rundowns. Puna will play in passing downs. They need edge help, and that's not what MDJ or M, whatever – how do you ever say so, his name? That's not what so we also – last time we spoke, guys, was after the Jaron Reed news broke about his six game suspension and we were talking about what they might do as a result of that move what came out after the seahawks acquired earl mitchell 
But you remember that there was another pretty big name that got released from the Green Bay Packers, and his name is Mike Daniels, and he did not go to Seattle. Jeff, what were your what was your take on both Daniels not coming here and Mitchell being the guy that they go after? I don't get it at all. Uh, we talked about Gerald McCoy so many times, Sue. The day Jaron Reed got suspended, they literally got something handed in their lap. The player at a position of need who's still pretty good based on a lot of the advanced metrics. He's had some injury concerns. I think Nathan's mentioned that before. But he's a really, really good player. He's proven. He's a veteran. They have cap room. They could, he got a one-year deal. In the end, he signed with Detroit because he wanted to get back at Green Bay. But what a better way to get back at Green Bay than Paul Rogers, uh, Wilson stuff. I don't understand it. I thought he was the perfect guy they should go after. They need that interior, more of a dynamic player. Earl Mitchell is what he is. He's a, another Al Woods. I don't understand it at all. I think that was a huge miss by them. They got cap room. They don't need to roll anything over. He signed a one-year deal for less than McCoy, and he might be better than McCoy at this stage. He's a very good player. I don't get it. Evan or Nathan, did you guys did it bother you that they did not get Daniels? Did it bother me? Um, not really. Did it surprise me? Not at all. Seattle is a, they like to claim themselves as a highly conservative organization. Um, they, you know, they didn't want Sheldon at eight to 10 million or a year or whatever. They the wanted that second, a second round pick though. Yeah. Yeah. No, but when it came to contract time, they weren't willing to pay him that. I, I'm, I'm not surprised that they wouldn't pay Mike Daniels a million or whatever he got. Um, I would have been a second. Yeah, no, I, 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 I got one year, right? Did he get one year or two? Yes. One year. You know, guys, as we're talking about it, what, what kind of occurs to me is their personnel is starting to look a little bit more like a three, four than a four, three. And so I was going to talk about that. They've always been a hybrid They're They are, they are four, three personnel that, has three four tendencies in some of how they they set up their defense and i mean for folks that aren't super geeky about it and i'm not even the geekiest by far on this it three four defenses generally have a nose tackle who's super stout holding the line and then you've got two larger defensive ends who are not necessarily big pass rushers they're also basically defensive tackles and then your edge rushers are really linebackers, outside linebackers. So, um, like, I think is Jadavian Clowney technically a, an outside linebacker for the Texans? I think he is. The Texans would love for you to, to believe that. Yeah, I just... <laughs> he is. Like, in the technical sense, he is an outside linebacker in that defense. Um or are you disagreeing with that? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, I, that is in the in a in the technical way to be wrong about it. Yeah, he's. I mean, he stands up and he like yeah. But like, let's. I mean, he's right? In it, uh, absolutely. Right? So, so the point, the major yeah. point I'm making yeah, yeah. is, you look at the Seahawks personnel now. You've got Earl Mitchell, Al Woods, Puna Ford, all defensive tackles, all run stuffers. Right? None of them clear pass rushers. Then you've got a guy like Brian Monet, who's 370 pounds, who might be interesting. And then you've got 
you know, if you look at the the place where you've got a lot of talent, it is in the linebacker position. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything crazy like them going and actually playing four linebackers where you get, like, Cody Barton on the field all of a sudden um, with Michael Kendricks and K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. But I do start to just wonder if Carroll will look a little bit at ways to bring more guys on the field um, that from a position of strength. And maybe he will think about this defense a little bit more like a 3-4. Um, probably not, but it, it occurred to me as you guys were talking about it and I was thinking about that, that position group. You're, you're not the first person to say that, Brian. Okay. I was listening to uh, Jay Keeps on the radio, and he brought that up a lot. He thinks that Pete is completely changing his defensive alignment all year. He says they're where they used to build around secondary and big corners. He said the whole Pete, because of how teams have attacked them, want to build their defense in this version of the LOB or whatever they're going to be called now around linebackers because of how the game's gone and how teams have attacked them. He says that's why they've been so aggressive and kind of bring KJ back and Kendricks and Barden and signing Bobby. He thinks that, well, he said this, I, I don't necessarily agree, but he says that Pete takes all his heat for lack of adaptation. He's saying, watch this year, the what different looks they get and how they're building this unit around linebackers. I don't know. I haven't seen anything, but he mentioned that a few times this week. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, if you really just plug the gaps up front and let the linebackers run around and be the guys making plays. It just would be interesting. I also, I heard from more than one person that the Seahawks have been playing more too high safety, more than they ever have, at least in camp. And that <laughs> I think somebody actually asked Pete about that in a press conference and he was not happy. Like, I think I'm not sure if he wasn't happy because he was annoyed that someone was trying to act like they know about <laughs> uh, X's and O's. Oh, I, I know or you're talking about. If he was angry because he doesn't want people talking about their changes to the defense, so there there is some evidence that they are looking at ways to modify the way this defense is playing, and I'm all for it to be honest, because I don't think they have the personnel to say, yeah, we're just going to keep running what we ran and hope it's going to be great. We they just don't have the same personnel. Um, I will tell you, switching gears real quick. Uh, one guy that I think I mentioned in one of our last podcasts, but I got way more excited about him today, and it was he did not do anything on the field to do that to, to engender the excitement. But Simeon Thomas, cornerback, he's the guy that they acquired. He was a six-round pick of Cleveland last year, and he got cut by Cleveland. The Seahawks picked him up and put him on their 53-man roster last year, and they carried him all year. He's, he's six foot three. He's I don't know how much, a couple hundred pounds, but he is built in a really interesting way. He's got like he's super high cut, where he's got really long legs, really slender calves, and you know really long arms and broad shoulders. It's like I, I'm really looking forward to you guys seeing him, and I want to see him in coverage more. I I, I caught a couple things uh, today, but again, it was kind of hard because they were on the far side of the practice field and. They weren't wearing pads and all that stuff, but just looking at him, there's been a couple players where I'm like, wow, they strolled on the field. Like, I'm not saying that he is like these guys, but just from a, his physical build being unique and interesting perspective, when I saw Cam Chancellor, when I saw Richard Sherman, when I saw Brandon Browner, like as maybe a better example, I was like, wow, 
that is a unique physical specimen. KJ Wright was another one. Like, wow, you do not see linebackers that are built like that. So I can, if nothing else, I really could see what they see in him. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know to watch and 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 hopefully he can uh, push for some for some time today. Um, I didn't get to watch the the nickel corners as closely, Nathan, so I don't know what's going on there. And I will say that Tedrick Thompson was getting punished all the time at free safety uh, with with McDougal. So as of now, I think that's our safety tandem um, until somebody really jumps out and changes it. Marquise Blair made a pretty good play today, though. Didn't he have a pick six on Russ? He did. He did. It was a good play. He broke on the ball and kind of got tipped up in the air. Uh, he juggled it a little bit and then came down with it, and it was a good athletic play. It almost makes me wonder if Bradley McDougal at free safety and Marquise Blair at strong safety is a better performing duo than the previous what we just, what we just discussed. I hope we get to find out. I really do. Because I'm not sold on Tedrick. We keep talking about him balling out in practice. Let's see it in a game. I, you know, this this is meaningless. Let, is anyone let's see sold it. on Tedrick? I mean, we are just talking about Blair balling out in practice, though, too. Like, <laughs> true. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great counterpoint. Oh, Blair can only go up. Tedrick can only go down. This is a fact. Well, Tedrick just runs so slow. I I want to. I really would love. To, I would watch for pay per view to watch Nathan and his wife uh, argue. I think it would be really entertaining. I it's only... not good. <laughs> it's not good. I could just imagine those little quips not going over so well with your uh, your significant other. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So. Uh. We could talk about more stuff at camp and a bunch of stuff there. One thing we haven't talked about that was also big news was Bobby Wagner. Um, guy signed a big deal. Uh, Evan, you wrote about um, how the deal broke down. Talk to us a little bit about it. Talked about what things, what are the things we need to know about it, and what are the things that maybe surprised you from the way the deal was was made. Yeah, so that's a really good question. Number, I think overall, it's actually a really impressive deal for Bobby. Uh, just going off of memory while I pull up my article, $15 million signing bonus, $24.5 million in full guarantees. Um, or, yeah, $24.5 million in full guarantees, $43.2 million in total guarantees, uh, $18 million a year. Um, the big number that cap space did we save by extending him? We actually lost about $1.8 mil in 2019 cap space. By extending him, not a big deal. We still have about 20 mil that will roll over into 2020. Um, what's really nice about this deal is, so they, Seattle stuck to their historical precedent of only fully guaranteeing the year one base salary of the deal, which is true for Bobby's deal, just like Russell's and Lockett's deal, deals also. But so he has a 2019 9.5 mil base, fully guaranteed, a 2020 10.75 mil base that is only protected at signing against injury. However, that vests into a full guarantee on the fifth waiver day of each year. So basically what that means in English, 2020, his full base salary is going to vest into a full guarantee super early on, like five days after the Super Bowl. 2021, he has a 13 
mil uh, base salary, five mil of that is injury protected at signing, and that five mil vests on the fifth day of the 2020 or 2021 league year also. So long story short, in English, I don't see Seattle being able to walk away from this deal if they wanted to until 2022, maybe 2021. But overall, it's a really, really impressive deal for Bobby. He has strong guarantees, good cash flow, a good signing bonus, unlikely to be cut till the final year. I think, um, I'm sure his health and, and the way he went about this, you know, um, really led to such a good deal. But, you know, you got to hand it off to Bobby. He represented himself and, and he ended up negotiating a really strong deal for himself. So props to him. Yeah. One question I have for you, Jeff. They signed, they, they drafted Cody Barton and they have Ember Kerbin. Both really are inside backers, middle linebackers by trade. Although Ember Kerbin is being trained as a weak side linebacker, which is where KJ plays. I think Cody Barton has played a little bit of backup Sam linebacker. Um, sure. What does this news mean for Cody Barton in terms of if, if, if Bobby's going to be around for the next three, four years? What does that do to, to Barton's potential? See, I never looked at them. Maybe Barton played a lot of middle. The second Barton got drafted, I looked at him as K.J. Wright's long-term potential replacement. I thought that's where he slotted in for them, and I thought K.J. I remember Evan broke down K.J.'s deal. It looked like a one-year deal. I, know, I think it's actually two years, but it seems like a one-year, and we'll see. Based on his durability issues last year and Kendrick's uncertain future, I thought that's where Barton slotted in. I think KJ was drafted in a similar area initially. So that's kind of where I saw him. So I don't see any. Ben Burke Hervin, I kind of saw as more of like a special teams guy who maybe can upgrade Austin Calitro, a guy who was picked apart in a few games last year. I remember Kyle Shanahan just feasted on him in one of those games. So really, I didn't. I thought. Yeah, I saw Barton as KJ and really no impact on Bobby, really. Nathan, any thoughts from you on, on what that means to the future of the linebacking crew and, and how Barton fits in? Uh, I mean, Barton may have been in part a hedge in case things didn't go the way they wanted to with Bobby. Um, I advocated for trading Bobby for a long time, but I don't think that was anything Seattle is seriously considering. Um, and so I think, uh, I mean, Jeff basically has the right of it that I think he's a KJ replacement, um, and so I, I, I don't think this affects him much at all. Uh, I think he'll probably take over in some kind of full-time role next year if he's... I mean, honestly, if he's as good as people, and you know, KJ himself is saying, maybe maybe they find ways to see him on the field this year, maybe he can beat out KJ if KJ ends up getting hurt or something, he can kind of take that job and keep it, but uh, yeah, probably next year is when you start to see him. So, KJ... Sorry, yeah. just real quick note on the KJ thing. KJ is 31 years old next year. He has an $8.5 million cap hit. If the Seahawks cut him, they save $6 million, only 2.5 mil dead hit. I really, really do not see him getting to that second year, especially if Cody is playing well. So that's just the cap side of things. Well, I'm going to ask you a similar question. <laughs> Somebody, uh, Komodo on chat was asking about this. Is Bobby more tradable now? What's the what's the cap impact of after next year if they were to trade him? Uh, bad because they just gave him a signing bonus. So I'm just trying to 
I'm just pulling up this deal real quick. If they wanted to trade him next year, you're looking at a $12 million uh, dead money hit and only $3.5 million in cap savings. So it's just not feasible. So Bobby's around. And I do think Cody Barton is, is most natural position as middle linebacker. So I do think there's impact on his career. And I do think he was drafted as a hedge for Bobby. And now that Bobby's here, I think he's a little bit less valuable than he was before. I think that's just being totally real about the situation. Now, does that mean he's destined to be bad? No, he, he could be great, but it's not as clear of a, a, a line between where he was in college and where he's going to play here. He's got some, some work to do to, to kind of prove he can play some of those other positions. Sam is a much more physical spot. Uh, Will seems like a better opportunity for him because it is a – when they go to nickel – that is an inside linebacker position that, you know, KJ and Bobby are usually guys that end up staying on the field and coverage, and Barton is really strong there, or at least is supposed to be. So it could make sense that he goes there, but then you got Ben Burkirvan also learning there, and Cody Barton's not really learning there right now. He's learning at Sam. So it's I, I think it's forcing them to, to shuffle him around a little bit, um, and, and we'll see uh, – well, see, I did not watch Barton today. There was not a lot to see that, that jumped out. Um, I only saw BBK do a little bit of, of agility drills. So I guess we'll learn more more later on those guys. Um, any other pieces that you guys wanted to cover? Um, I know we're we're uh, actually we're we're only uh, an hour into this. I always worry about us getting a uh, too late for Jeff, especially. But. Um, other parts that you guys are curious about, any questions you had based on what went on in camp, and this can go for the folks on chat as well. You know what? I do have actually one question for you guys. Have you guys heard, heard anything about Shaquille uh, Griffin at all? Well camp? He played well. He, he had two pass breakups. Did he? One of them was really pretty impressive. He, he recovered on a ball in the end zone. Um, I think he actually came across and made the play to break it up. He looked good. He has, he has long dreads now. And he looks, I swear, like, I had to take a double take because he looks a little like Sherm um, with how long his dreads are right now. But uh, hmm. I know that's the, the big news you're looking for. But um, I just haven't heard anything about him from any beat reporters at all. I haven't heard anything about any cornerback. That's Nathan brought up the beat, uh, nickel spot. I, I, heard heard Trey Flowers, I heard Trey Flowers had some good uh, coverage plays on DK, even, even if he caught the ball very impressively. Yeah, it's, it's been really quiet in that whole group. Yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody really jumped out. I, I would say, I mean, I talked about Simeon Thomas just because of the way he looked. Um, <laughs> and we talked about Marquise Blair. We haven't really talked about the running backs much. I'm surprised you haven't asked about your favorite form of paintment. Mr. Penny. The yes. Penny? Mr. Penny, yeah. He had, a, I believe, like a long touchdown run one of the first days of training camp. So, actually, it, being 100% serious, I think Penny's going to be really good this year. I think Carson is going to start, but I do think Penny is going to be a much better change of pace back, somebody we saw 
um, in late 2018 to really provide that burst. Um, great one-two punch. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. And to be honest, like I've said before on the podcast, if you're a Seahawks fan, you better hope to God Penny breaks out because the Seahawks will consider extending Chris Carson. And you don't want to pay big money to a running back. I'm pretty sure everybody on both sides of the debate pretty much agrees don't pay running backs big money. And I could see Chris Carson getting big money, especially if he has a productive 2018 or 2019. Um, the one back we haven't really talked about is Travis Homer, who seems to have balled out a little bit on special teams and getting some comments here and there. Yeah, he looked he looked fast and good today. J.D. McKissick got a lot of reps today as the kind of the third down back, got a lot of passes thrown his way. He looks good. CJ Procise looked good today. He had some oohs and ahs at his plays, as he usually does when he's out on the field. Wow, a whole bunch of running backs all looking good. Huh. They were all getting passes thrown their way. Does that make you feel any better, Nathan? Not no. really. Interesting. It's a step up, but it's like the least efficient way to pass. So, I don't know. Good job, Brian Schottenheimer. Is it the least efficient way to pass if they're more than if they're not just getting dump off passes? Like if they're actually downfield as a receiver? Like what's the difference? Yeah. So I what I've seen is that why I've seen it broken down by position, but obviously running backs run like almost exclusively running back routes. Um, but the stuff that I've seen broken down by like route type, like what would typically be considered like a wide receiver rate route based on where you ran out, wide, lined up, then wide receiver routes are worth more than running back routes. So theoretically, if you're taking ProSize and McKissick and you're splitting them out wide and they can be actual wide receivers, they would do just fine and be just as productive. But if you're just talking about like dump offs and working out of the backfield, I mean, they start six yards in the backfield or however far in the backfield, they're just not going to be getting as far downfield and all that, and it's not going to be valuable, typically. Yeah. yeah, well, one of the guys that was... Also, like, you have yeah. Russell Wilson, like, throw the ball downfield. Like, <laughs> they were doing that a lot today. It wasn't just Russell Wilson. I- I'm here to tell you guys, Paxton Lynch looked good today. I mean... I never, ever, ever thought I would say those words, but how bad is this I would defense? Be like, <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I. That's what that I is, think too. That was oh, a God. totally reasonable response, but that was not it. He was making really hard throws deep downfield that were just dropped in a bucket. Like he was, he was making some really impressive connections. I don't know if they have the replay of the the practice that you can see anywhere or highlights that people show up but he made made a great throw to jazz ferguson along the sideline he made a two great throws to malik turner um i think he made a great throw to david moore although that might have been russell i think it was russell who made the great throw to david moore so in any event i'd i would be lying if i said he didn't look good today nathan how do you feel about that Paxton Lynch and DK Metcalf, star of the training camp. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I'm just, like, Nathan, I don't Nathan hates DK Metcalf. He hates when people are successful and his takes are exposed. But it's he just loves the receivers. I don't know why he doesn't love DK. Most of it's by you, I assume. What? He's literally the most impressive receiver we've had in years in, tra- in training camp. Like as a rookie, like who the well, hell compares Tyler Lockett, to? That's not Doug saying Baldwin. 
I mean, DK is balling out just as much as those guys were, if not more. I don't know yet if we can say that. Well, we'll know when he has 150 yards. I mean, next the Thursday. best receiver I've seen in training camp his first time with the Seahawks in the last 10 years is probably Stephen Williams. I'm not even joking. I mean, I remember who that is. He was this big lanky guy. He made like crazy plays every practice. He was like unstoppable. They would just throw it and <laughs> and then I think he got hurt and they cut him, you know, or something like that. I think he lost like three regular season yeah. games. So, yeah, I hear you, Nathan. But it's 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 reality, and I think making plays in training camp is better than not making plays. I know that sounds crazy, but... Uh, well, I guess Darbo. Yeah, I think Darbo might have had a catch today. Possible. Jeez. I have a question, a Brian. Kick. Yes, it was. Brian, you were very critical last year of Penny's just physical attributes. Did he look noticeably different? Because I know all the training camp fluff stories seem to say so, but I don't want to get sucked into that again. Yes, so... He looks fit. He looked more fit than he had last year, and he looked he looked faster. So I think both those things definitely were the case. Dizzy, you know, there's nothing I saw from him that looked special, but again, these are no pad practices, so it's really hard to tell how running backs are are looking. Other than, I mean, he's just not a particularly jump off the field kind of athlete. You know, he doesn't run yeah, super fair. fast. He doesn't cut super hard. You know, he isn't super strong where you're just like, wow, how are you going to tackle this guy? But that doesn't mean he's going to be bad. I just, yeah, he did look better physically than he had last year. Um, so okay. looking... the other one I'd ask you about, he's Jacob Hollister gets a lot of attention from beat writers. Oh. I don't know much about him as a player. I've seen his name in like fantasy leagues, but I, th- I saw. I think I saw you mention yeah, him today. Yeah, I was. So he was. So one of the things that has stood out that stood out today was, I don't know if you guys had the same impression, but my recollection generally with the way the Seahawks have used the tight end in the offense is generally seam routes. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of other things that I remember the tight ends doing other than running seam routes if they're going to be in, in um, receiving routes at all. I mean, blocking and, and seam routes. Today, I was seeing a lot of routes that were actually coming across the formation and across the face of the quarterback, which was a little bit different than what I'd seen before. In fact, that's how uh, the play that I think Justin Johnson got hurt on and hurt his Achilles on um, was one of those plays. And Jacob Hollister had another one where he cut across the formation on kind of a drag route and made a catch. I went scrambling to see who 48 was because I, I have a thing against tight ends that have numbers in the 40s i mean they need to be in the 80s or something like that i I thought he was i thought he was the uh fullback but he was a tight end he he looked fine i mean he didn't he didn't jump out but that was a that was a good play that he made um ed dixon nick vanette they all look fine will disley did not get hurt today despite my tweet um and he did play in 7v7 i don't think he played in team drills and he made a catch in 7v7 he looks fast as ever he looks, he looks great. So um, I, my, I definitely thought to myself, if I was going to get a jersey, who would it be? And Disley is pretty high on that list. I think everyone wants a DK Metcalf jersey. I think Disley is still a little bit on the DL. And uh, 
and could be a really good player and a guy that's easy to cheer for. So, Best player to ever wear number 88 for the Seahawks. So, you know, it's a luck. Yeah. All right, fellas. I think we're going to wrap it there. Uh, it's been great getting back together. I will be sharing more on training camp as it goes along. We may do some, you know, quick pods depending on how things go or, or whatever. Hope that the show worked for folks, that they could hear it, that they could see it, all that stuff. We'll love to hear your feedback on that. We'll continue to look for ways to improve it. If you haven't already, please join up at patreon.com. It'll help us make the show even better. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Hawkblogger. Um, that's a huge help. Um, little as five bucks a month would be great. Also, you know, giving reviews, subscribing to the YouTube channel, or supporting our sponsors, guys. Um, we have three great sponsors. If you want to become a sponsor, we've got room for more. So um, we've got one that Evan is quite passionate about, for sure. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about Burger Master, Evan? I love Burger Master. They have six locations all over the Seattle area, and they're the best burger chain from the state of Washington. I'm not being sarcastic when I say this. They're literally the best burger chain from the state of Washington. Don't go to any other burger place. Go to Burger Master. My favorite one is the one right off of, um, right. I think it's technically Kirkland zip code, but it's that Kirkland-Bellevue border one. Classic drive-in, dine-in experience. Go get a good juicy burger. Don't go to any other burger chain that rhymes with anything else. Licks. <laughs> anything else? Yes. <laughs> I went Burger Master hey. today in in preparation for the the pod. It was it's it was so very good. good. It's so good. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm up in a couple of weeks. We're gonna get mad or nachos. I'm also gonna get Burger Master what? tonight. <laughs> oh God, your 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 intestinal system. Uh, Nathan, what did you get? I got the Bacon Master fries and I splurged on a, a pineapple Ooh. shake. Although I gotta say, I went to the one uh, on Buffalo Highway, and as I was waiting to turn in, they had the uh, the sign going, and the sign said chicken chips, which I think was a typo because it wasn't on the menu. But I really wanted to ask, and then I forgot. So uh, go to the the Buffalo the Buffalo Highway in the, in uh, Mill Creek and see if they really have chicken chips. And if not, um, you can let them know they they got a typo <laughs> on there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, please go to Burger Master. Tell them that the Hawk Blogger Real Talk, Real Hawk Talk crew sent you. Um, and then uh, Blake at ManifestFit.com, great stuff. Uh, he's a great trainer. He's been supporting the pod, and he can do uh, personal training anywhere. So he does it online, and he doesn't charge a ton. He wants everybody to be able to get personal training. So he's a he's a great guy to support. And then finally, John Hurlbut. Uh, Altitude Homes, um, Pierce, uh, South King, and Thurston County. If you've got any real estate deals to do, John's a guy I've known for a while, actually. We used to work together and solid, solid guy. He does real estate training. He's just a good guy to know and go do a deal with him. In fact, I think he still has a deal that if you sign up and close, he'll give $500 uh, of the closing costs to Ben's fund um, as an additional bonus. So Really good guy, great supporter of the pod. And yeah, so these are these are simple ways you guys can help support the show and we'll keep providing content and listen to your feedback. So uh, thank you again, have a great night and go Hawks.